Good morning to each of you. Uh, the Christmas season, uh, there's a question I was thinking about this morning. How does a person um, capture and express the awe and wonder? And uh, well, there are many other emotions too that the people back then who experienced Jesus' uh, birth, a lot of the emotions they experienced, fear, wonder, awe. Uh, how do we capture that today? How do we enter into it? How do we uh, experience it in a way that uh, is meaningful in our life, in our Christian life? Uh, how, how can we enter into and um, I thought this morning maybe one way to do that is to try to uh, tell the story. And uh, that's why these young people are up here. Uh, the, the people back then, I think, experienced whatever was happening uh, the way we do. The way we experience things that happen to us, you know, generally, there are there are circumstances surrounding us. There, there are other people surrounding us, and, and it really is experienced in what we would call uh, a story. And, uh, and later, when you, when you try to talk about what happened, you, you, you would talk about it as a story. And, and to say it's a story doesn't mean it's not true. It's, it's just the happenings and surrounding events. And that's how we would tell it. And that's, that's how it was back then. Uh, so my theme verse, I want to focus this morning on the miracles uh, surrounding Jesus' coming and, and the miracle of God's intervention. And I want us to see that not only did God intervene then, but he can intervene today. Uh, the verse here is, fear not, Mary, or verses, fear not, Mary, you have found favor with God and will conceive and bear a son, for nothing is impossible with God. And this is found in Luke 1, and it's uh, kind of a paraphrase. It's a paraphrase of several verses. Uh, so two weeks ago, uh, Rich preached a sermon with the title, The Presence of God in the Time of Need. And uh, he used the stories, the accounts of four people uh, to illustrate God's presence. And uh, he used David, Elijah, John the Baptist, and Paul. So today, uh, the day after Christmas, I want to focus on the story of the birth of Jesus and, and focus on the miracles surrounding that and God's intervention in the lives of people. So the uh, first passage I have is John 1 and... Um, 
I'm not even sure who's supposed to read all of this, but John 1. In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. So the Word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. Thank you. So I stand here and listen to that. <laughs> and there's so many, there's so many phrases and statements uh, in those verses that register with me. Um, so you could summarize that statement, that, those verses, by saying that uh, John shows Jesus as uh, fully human and fully divine, which is a miracle. But he, he says a lot more, too. He says that uh, Jesus existed. Uh, now, the, the, the words, the terms are that Jesus already existed in the beginning with God, uh, a beginning that had no beginning, which, of course, is a miracle. And Jesus participated in creation prior to coming to earth. And Jesus gave life to everything. He's the source of the life that everything he created possesses. He's the source. Uh, so he created the universe. This person who created the universe then came into the universe he created. And he came as, as one like the people he created. Now, I don't know if you think about things like this, but how can, how can the creator of the universe uh, go from being God to becoming human uh, like his creation? And what I would say about that is that we don't know the answer to that. That's a mystery. That's not, an, that's not a question that uh, reason can figure out. It's not a question that science can answer. We don't know. It's like a lot of things <clears throat> in life, a lot of things in the Christian life, that we, do, we don't know exactly how. We don't know the mechanics or the science or the... Uh, one word would be the metaphysics of it, the beyond physical answers. We don't know, but it, it's still true. So and although, although Christ came to earth in a human form and in bodily flesh, he didn't stop being God. He didn't stop being the unique, uh, the Father's one and only Son, I think is uh, the way you would say this, that Jesus is the Father's one and only Son, the unique one of a kind, the unique one of a kind Son. And we are sons and daughters of the Father too, but not in the same way Jesus 
was. So this is the truth that the Bible presents, the truth that John 1 presents, the truth about Jesus, and this is, and, and this is the foundation, really, of all truth. Jesus is. So although Christ um, is, was eternally with the Father, he willingly, he willingly came to earth. And he did, he did not, this is Philippians 2, he did not consider uh, his place with the Father, his heavenly existence, uh, Freedom, freedom from the troubles of this world. Uh, the glory of heaven, the majesty of heaven, his place, his place, position. He did not consider all of that something... Uh, I'm not sure what English word to use. He did not consider that uh, worthy of grasping, hanging on to, but he, he released all of that, and that's how he was able to come to earth. He accepted, a, uh, according to scripture, a servant's position, and he appeared as a servant. And, and he functioned in the world as a, uh, to serve people, even though he uh, was the Lord of all, creator of all. Okay, Luke 1. When Herod was king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah. He was a member of the priestly order of Abijah, and his wife Elizabeth was also from the priestly line of Aaron. Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all the Lord's commandments and regulations. They had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive, and they were both very old. One day, Zechariah was serving God in the temple, for his order was on duty that week, as was the custom of the priests. He was chosen by a lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. While the incense was being burned, a great crowd stood outside praying. While Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing to the right of the incense altar. Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw it. But the angel said, Don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son, and you are to call him John. You will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth, and he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. He will be a man with the spirit of and power of Elijah. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children, and he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. Zechariah said to the angel, How can I be sure this will happen? I am an old man, and my wife is also well along in years. 
Then the angel said, I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. It was he who sent me to bring you this good news. But now, since you didn't believe what I said, you will be silenced and unable to speak until the child is born. For my words will certainly be fulfilled in the proper time. Thank you. So, <clears throat> Zechariah and Elizabeth uh, were godly people and they practiced uh, both outward and inward piety, uh, obedience. And uh, because of this, God said that they were righteous. They were upright people. And uh, several times it mentions there that that Elizabeth was too old to bear a child, uh, but that God can do impossible things. So, um, the, the angel Gabriel appeared visibly to Zechariah, and uh, scripture says that Zechariah was, Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear. Like this was a shock to him, and, and he's trying to figure out what is going on. Well, Mary was in the same state when the angel appeared to her. So the, these people were not expecting an appearance. They, they, were, they were not expecting God to speak to them in this way. And the angel said, God has heard your prayers and your wife will have a son, bear a son, and this is the name. And uh, the angel gave Zechariah some instructions about what John could eat and drink, how he could, should live his life, and, and that he would, John would possess the spirit and power of Elijah. Of course, all of this is predictions and instructions and, and this is what came to be. Now, uh, Zechariah uh, made a mistake, you know. He, uh, he made the mistake of asking Gabriel, how can this be? I mean, he didn't really see how it could happen. I don't know, um, I don't know if he didn't think it would happen, but he's asking. We would probably ask too. Uh, he said, how can this be? Because I and my wife are well along in years. And so, uh, you know, the angel said, okay, well, you just won't be able to talk until the child is born. And, uh, <clears throat> I mean, that's pretty impressive. That's, uh, that's a good reminder, you know, every time you want to say something, you can't talk. And so, however long this was, uh, it was quite a while, uh, he couldn't speak. Of course, everybody else knew something strange was going on, too. Uh, him not being able to speak was a miracle. And so Elizabeth conceived, which was a miracle, and John was born. And uh, then there was that little, um, I don't think they read about it, but the, the, um, the conversation after John was born about what his name would be. And uh, I'm not sure if John had communicated that to Elizabeth or not, but 
they all agreed on the name. Okay, the next uh, passage is Luke 1, 26 to 38. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. The angel replied, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby will be born, the, so the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. Mary responded. I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. Yeah. Thank you. Later. Uh, so, uh, Mary uh, viewed this as an impossibility, of course, and uh, wondered, how can this thing happen? How can this be? I mean, there's no way this can be. And uh, the response of the angel was, well, it's a miracle of the Holy Spirit. It'll be the action of the Holy Spirit, which uh, uh, I was trying to think about that the last few days, and uh, I don't know, I don't know what that means. I'm trying to think. What does that mean, the action of the Holy Spirit? Well, I don't know. It's uh, a miracle, whatever, whatever it was. Again, no, no explanation for it. Uh, and Mary's response, uh, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. Um, so the, this, this is a, uh, well, the word that comes to my mind is a sacred time, a very, a very special time between Mary and the angel and, and the, um, the, the work that God wants to do in the world through the birth of Jesus. It's a very sacred thing. And uh, her questions, her doubts, her confusion, but then her trust, they are all a lesson to us. So then when, when uh, Mary went to visit Elizabeth, it, it seems to me it's obvious that her visit to Elizabeth was uh, 
probably the word would be for support. Uh, someone in the same state I'm in, experiencing what I'm experiencing, we need to have a talk. And that's, uh, I think, what that was about. And so uh, she, she arrived there, and uh, it says that, uh, they didn't read this, but Elizabeth's baby John leaped in Elizabeth's womb, and then she uh, spoke, uh, might say profound things there, Elizabeth did. She was filled with the Holy Spirit, it says. Uh, she said, God has blessed you above all women, and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? So she understood something uh, beyond, I'm not sure how she understood, but she understood that the baby that Mary uh, would bear would be her savior, her Lord. And then uh, Mary responded, uh, so, uh, India, if you could read that. It's Mary's response. My soul exalts the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior, for he has, for he has had regard for the humble state of his bondservant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One <coughs> has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is to generation after generation toward those who fear him. He has done mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who were proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones and has exalted those who were humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty-handed. He has given help to his servant, Israel, in remembrance of his mercy just as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and his descendants forever. So that, um, whether there have been songs written using those words, but I don't know that she sang it. <laughs> but the words that she spoke, I think express, we might say, amazing insights one of the things that uh, struck me uh, in, in preparing for this is how much of what she said um, relates to uh, God's interest in the poor, the humble, the needy, the disadvantaged. Quite a bit of what she said relates to that kind of thing. So she mentions her place in history the respect people will have for her in, in history as time goes on. And you, you might wonder, well, is she proud? Well, I don't think so. It's, uh, she's recognizing, uh, maybe, maybe the word would be the gift that God has given her to be the mother of the Savior of the world. She seems to have insight into that in the same way Elizabeth did. 
And she understands that Jesus is coming for people who are in great need. People who cannot help themselves, they cannot get themselves out of their trouble. People who need deliverance from various conditions. She understands that Jesus is coming for the poor, the oppressed, and the despised. And her attitude uh, about all of this and her, her uh, willingness and trust in this situation is itself, I believe, a miracle. Okay, Matthew 1, 18 to 25. Now the birth of Jesus the Messiah was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be pregnant by the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, since he was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. But when he had thought this over, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you shall call him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now all of this took place so that what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet would be fulfilled. Behold, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. And Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and took Mary as his wife, but kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son, and he named him Jesus. So, uh, apparently... We don't know everything that Joseph was thinking, but apparently he saw only two options in his situation. Either he could, I think the law allowed this, he could stone her or he could divorce her. And the angel uh, gave him another option, uh, which was to marry her. And the angel uh, gave Joseph some insights that that uh, the child Mary carried uh, was conceived by the action of the Holy Spirit. Uh, the angel told him that uh, Mary would have a son and that Joseph should name the child Jesus. Uh, and Jesus means uh, the Lord saves, and Jesus came to earth to be a Savior, our Savior, each person's Savior. So I want to make a few comments here about Mary. Um, Mary was young. She, she probably was uh, something like... Uh, 16 or 17, I'm not, not sure, but she was young. And she was poor, and of course she was a female. And all of these um, factors meant for her 
uh, in the minds of people that she, she was not a good candidate uh, for God's purposes. But God had other things in mind. Uh, but God's favor and her obedience did not deliver her from pain and trouble. I mean, we know the story of the Gospels and times when she was in distress. And of course, at the death of Christ. But in her day, uh, at her age, and the situation being what it was, I don't know if you can put yourself there and think how it would be, her peers certainly would have ridiculed her, made fun of her, condemned her, and um, unless Joseph married her, my understanding is that she would either have become a beggar or a prostitute, that's generally what happened, in order to uh, have food to eat. Um, if she had told people that she was, just imagine, if she had told people that she was pregnant because of the action of the Holy Spirit, they would have told her that she is crazy in the head. That's what they would have said. You're just crazy, that's what you are. So Mary is a lesson to us uh, of humility and uh, submission. She did wonder, she did ask questions. Um, she's a lesson in someone who did not demand uh, to see uh, all the results, all the future, before she could obey. And her, her, um, her love for God and her, her, um, good spirit, right spirit, didn't deliver her from the need to go visit Elizabeth. Uh, Mary needed support, and she went to Elizabeth and found support. And Elizabeth's response tells us that Elizabeth believed Mary and that she supported her. So Mary was a normal person, like uh, you women and girls. Uh, someone who needed support and friends and understanding, and we all need that in difficult times. So some lessons here uh, from the Christmas story. Christ's life began with numerous miracles, and then he performed miracles throughout his life. But then his, uh, his death uh, seems, I think from a human point of view, his disciples saw it this way. His death uh, seemed like a contradiction to all these miracles. But then, of course, the resurrection from the dead. Um, I'm not sure what you say about that. Uh, let's see, maybe you could say it matches his virgin birth. Uh, maybe it exceeds that, I don't know. But 
His life began with a miracle and his resurrection and ascension. It, uh, his life on earth ends with miracles as well. But God uh, has and still does intervene in circumstances to achieve his purposes. And uh, I don't mean by that that we are puppets in his hands because he does invite us uh, to cooperate with his purposes in the choices we make. Um, but every, every spiritual, emotional, and physical redemption or growth that we experience or healing is the result of God's uh, miraculous intervention in our lives, in human history. And this has been going on since creation. It's still going on today. But of course, many times we don't, we don't recognize that something miraculous is happening. And sometimes when things that are kind of uh, strange and beyond normal happen, um, Maybe we take credit for it, and maybe that's part of the reason we don't recognize it as God's intervention. But God does intercede, intervene. Uh, so God is a miracle-working God, and he can do impossible things. God uses all kinds of people. Uh, especially in the Christmas story, God used common people to change the course of history, uh, we are all, of course, common people. We are. There's nothing, there's nothing uh, profound or great about us. Well, there isn't about anyone, really. Um, maybe I can insert this. My, my um, father-in-law, uh, I'm not sure how many times he told me this. I'm not even sure what the circumstances were, but he told me a number of times. Um, well, one time it was in a conversation about one of the presidents of the United States. I don't even know which one it was. But he chuckled a little bit and he said, well, he puts his pants on like I do. And, and you know, that that's, we all, we all are human and uh, we we have um, we're we're not uh, great people, but God uses common people. That's my point. He uses poor people, lowly people, women. Uh, God still does that. He's done that, and He still does. And Christmas reminds us that God uses the weak and lowly to accomplish divine purposes. So uh, it's better rather than uh, judging ourselves as worthless or whatever terms we give ourselves. It is better to view ourselves as uh, vessels that God lives in and that he has work for us to do in the world and in his kingdom because he dwells in us. And he is working to accomplish good purposes through us. So on Christmas Day, we celebrate uh, Christ 
And we celebrate our place in his kingdom and our place in his heart and the place that he has invited us to. And so we don't just celebrate Christ's first coming, we celebrate his continued coming into the world by the Holy Spirit for us and for everyone else. And Christ's birth is a profound statement that the divine and human is joined, that God does not despise the human aspect of our existence, that our human existence can be characterized by hope and trust and confidence because God is present with us and, and in us. And in the same way that God was present in the world in Christ, God is, God is present in the world today in people, in us, because Christ lives in us. And uh, last of all, I want to say in the midst of difficulties, in the midst of the difficulties of this world, and there are many, there are many challenges and troubles. Uh, not only in the world, but then there we have ourselves in the midst of our own failures and uh, weaknesses and sins. And uh, uh, we need hope. We need Christ. We need forgiveness. We need mercy. We, we need Jesus, the Savior. Let's pray. <clears throat> Lord, thank you. Thank you that you came to earth as a baby. Thank you for uh, intervening in history. Thank you for working your will in the hearts of people, confused people, uh, frightened people, needy people, uh, poor people, people who didn't know what to do. Thank you for working your will, your good purposes in them and through them. And, and I pray that you would do that for us today in our lives. Uh, fill us with hope and and the awareness that you can do impossible things. Bless each of us and uh, make us a blessing and lead us uh, forward here in our world, in our circumstances. And thank you. Amen.